I'm your inner dream monologue and you're fast asleep. So I'll be quick. Great job using the Colgate Optic White Overnight Teeth Whitening Pen before bed. When used as directed, it gives you a visibly whiter smile in just seven days. So while I fly and talk to animals, you're removing teeth stains with ease. Sweet dreams. And when you wake up, keep on living life to the brightest. Colgate Optic White. Find it at all major retailers. He's got a rectum. Oh. Oh my God, there's a knitted rectum, a knitted right, rectum right in front of my face. On Ben Quibus's website. This is art. This is art, people. He's amazing. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Knitting Nerdcast. This is your host, Hannah. And today I am joined by my friend and coworker, Jen, who is nerding out to me about knitting portrayed in works of art. Now, Jen doesn't knit herself, oddly enough, but she has been around knitting nerds long enough to show some knitting nerd tendencies of her own. She's also an art nerd, a food nerd. And an all-around great person to chat with. So let's get to it. Actually, um, right before we were kind of all compelled to stay in indoors, mm-hmm. um, I was able to travel to St. Louis. Mm-hmm. And while I was there, I was able to go to a museum, which nobody can do right now. But the St. Louis Art Museum has an amazing collection. Cool. And at the time, we, um, my mom and I, my stepmom and I, mm-hmm. um, went to go see an exhibit on... Jean-Francois Mollet. Uh-huh. That's a very made-up accent. Like, don't speak French. <laughs> Jean-Francois, Jean-Francois Mollet. Hey, let me show you a picture of Jean-Francois Mollet. Oh, yeah. Look at this brooding guy. So is that a self-portrait? That is a self-portrait. Okay. It's done in oil. Part of the realism art movement. And prior to realism, the things that were depicted in um, paintings were royalty and super lofty, romanticized landscapes. Yeah. And... Biblical scenes. Yeah. And so um, Jean-Francois Millet was part of the French realism movement. And the thing that I love so much about seeing his work was that he depicted the daily lives of the proletariat. Mm-hmm. Basically, he was a portrait painter. He was a landscape painter. And then he started painting peasants. Mm-hmm. And this was not met with a welcome attitude by his critics. And so one of the things I noticed at the exhibit was a handful of knitting pieces that what? he had done. Yes. There's one here called the Knitting Shepherdess. Oh. This is actually done in pastel. Wow, that's pretty. So what we're looking at, Jen's showing me a picture of a young lady who's mm-hmm. standing like in the woods. Kind of in the woods. She's just standing in the woods holding... Her knitting and looking down at it with, she's got like a shawl or like Mm -hmm. a coat over her and she's wearing a cap. Right. And you can kind of see behind her, there's kind of forms of sheep around her. Oh, I I thought it was like rocks or something. But even in this depiction, she's working, you know, she's doing labor work. Right. I'm not talking about the shepherding. I'm talking about the knitting. (laughs) Um, Again, here's the knitting lesson. And this is another, um, this is depicted in oil and it's a woman teaching a young girl how to knit. Again, this depicts, um, you know, the everyday person Hmm. behind closed doors doing those um, ordinary things that were not considered good subject matter. Mm. Hmm. That's really interesting. Yeah. And even here, a sewist, again, with Malay. I mean, he, I saw one of a woman spinning. Um, there's the knitting shepherdess again, right in the forest. But yeah, so Jean-Francois Millet, in fact, 
was part of a movement of realism that um, kind of went to the everyday person and did their and depicted their everyday kind of activities. This wasn't done before. And realism morphed into naturalism, which morphed into impression, impressionism. Mm-hmm. And so it was the beginning of kind of this really frenetic art movement that started to redefine how we see things visually. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I found um, that these handcrafts depicted in art, they weren't depicted as leisure activities. I wonder what it was that made Jean-Francois Millet interested in like the common person doing like common work as his subject like do you know what kind of inspired him to do that shift when nobody had done it before i gotta tell you um i'm not a student of his art i'm Mm. only kind of like scraping through you're you're an enthusiast i am big time enthusiast i love art but i like jean-francois (laughs) melee not necessarily a big fan of romanticism and Mm -hmm. really they they kind of shout him out as like rejecting it um and so that rejection is what kind of spurred him into this um, hmm. different approach. But he had really good company. You were telling me about this exhibit yes. with Malay and you were describing it to me like the exhibit itself was showing Malay's work with other artists work that were in that were inspired mm-hmm. by Malay and showing correct. the exact thing yep. that inspired like Van Gogh. And yes, as a matter of fact, Van Gogh was incredibly um, inspired by Malay, especially in his early work. There is a Van Gogh painting that depicts a knitter mm. that he did base on a Malay. And yeah, within that exhibit, they're basically showing here's a Malay and they would show his um, his depiction of a landscape, but with peasants in the landscape. And then right mm-hmm. next to it would be a Van Gogh. That's really cool. Or a Monet. Or a dolly. I mean, mm-hmm. it took 10 years for the St. Louis Art Museum to curate the show. And they could only do it with the help of the Van Gogh Museum in um, Amsterdam. That's amazing. So 10 years, the curator at the Art, St. Louis Art Museum and the curator at the Van Gogh Museum worked to source these amazing paintings. And we're talking, some of these are from the Met. I mean, mm-hmm. several of them are from the Van Gogh Museum in, in uh, Amsterdam. And to borrow all those works mm-hmm. and try to get them at the same time, I can imagine why it took 10 years. Totally. But it was totally impressive to see this, this man's influence. Um, he was really popular at the time. Um, a lot of it had to do with um, his redefinition of style. This picture I'm looking at right now, I think it's called Harvester's Resting. And I don't see any knitting in this picture, Hannah, but... Mm-hmm. <laughs> but um, this premiered, I believe, at the French Salon in 1853. And the landscape itself is a pile of hay. Yeah. It's not this bucolic kind of fantastical, yeah, you know, it's not for, like, enchanted forest scene, which is romanticism. Right. right. It's not like a beautiful landscape scene that's like taking your breath away with. No. You know. Yeah. It's right. like, oh, these are working folks. But can you be, can you imagine being um, a fan of art at the time and walking mm. into this? And the most fascinating part of it is either going to be A, that's disgusting, there's presence in it, or B, <laughs> oh, man. what are they doing? Yeah. You know? And what are they doing? What do you think that they're doing in this? Well, Harvester's resting, so clearly they're taking you know, a break. They're just taking a break. Yeah, you little <laughs> union break on the old uh, French, you know, farm scene. It's also interesting, too, because it's like they're not, it, it is like this candid photo kind of thing it because is. they a lot of them have their backs to the point yes. of view of the painter so it's like well, okay so you painted some 
the the back of people. Yeah. But it's like a realistic kind of scene. Right. And one of the critics that um, viewed this painting that liked it said he he was taken by the intelligent sacrifice of detail. And mm. this also was not kind of a quote unquote normal way of painting. But clearly you can't paint every piece of hay in a haystack. Yeah. <laughs> and even on the expressions here, I think from a distance you can kind of tell a little bit um, of the faces that are showing a little what's going on, but he didn't do it. This isn't, these aren't full on portraits of people's faces. It's just only, yeah, you can kind of tell that they're maybe paying attention to something that somebody's saying. Yeah. But other than that, it's like indicative of a reaction, but it's not a fully detailed, Mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. And so people weren't used to that either. Um, And, but you're right. It's the first time I think when you're thinking ahead to photographer yeah, yes, it is. It's the depiction of every, everyday life. And yeah, um, you could kind of see the noble, I don't know, the noble work, you know, that everybody mm-hmm. did behind the scenes. And not only was that not, the, the light was not being shown on that, but it was considered just really poor subject matter for a painting. And that all changed with this movement. Um, and yes, I was deeply impressed. Oh, here's another one. The knitter oh, nice. or the seated shepherdess. Huh. Yes. So many. He also had an influence on, um, I think I mentioned Monet um, and is, Seurat as well. Is this subject, this girl who's knitting, do you know if that's like a, he had a real life subject, if that's like a person in his life or yeah. if he like imagined it or. I think he was prone to doing studies of people um, mm. like many of the greats. Um, nobody necessarily knows if things were done on model. So Malay is huh. a bit of a mystery. Okay. Actually. He died at the age of 60. Hmm. Um, Cause you know, you saw his portrait. He was brooding so much. It probably just wore him out. That's really interesting. Um, I wonder what about knitting in particular. Yeah. He was like interested in, you know, scraping through these, you do come across more knitting than anything. There was one oil work that was um, someone doing the spinning as well. But so, yeah, the handcraft um, being depicted, um, yeah, that wasn't kind of an easy transformation for art. Um, it was forced upon the, the audience and um, Malay was really passionate about it. And I just found it so inspiring to see all that stuff in person. Yeah. And I felt so lucky. Um, Absolutely. As soon as I left St. Louis, yeah. I wasn't going anywhere after that. Um, right. I, you know, I wonder if that particular exhibit is... Today, when I was doing my research, I found the entire audio tour. The audio tour? The, all, the whole audio tour for this <gasps> exhibit is on the Slam website, and we'll put it in show notes, I promise. Oh, I love that. Um, but you know how you put the headphones on and you walk around and look at the paintings? Yeah. I, I didn't even do that. Yeah. I just wandered around. The whole audio tour that I didn't do is online, and, and you get to see It shows you everything. the visuals? Yep. Mm-hmm. Ooh, I want to really look super at cool. it. Yeah. Oh, I love it. It's really neat. And you can see all the great artists that have been influenced by him and yes. his work, even though he, he's not, I don't think as far as I know, like, not like I'm an art expert. I was a art history major for one semester in college. Um, so I know, I didn't you know, know that about you. <laughs> I know like, <laughs> you know, the big important names and stuff, but like I had never heard of Malay before you mentioned right. him to me. Um, and as far as I know, he's not like a household art artist name yeah. but you know that could just be like my ignorance right. but well at the time um his work was duplicated in print because clearly you know these artists that were influenced by him couldn't go see his work mm. it wasn't as accessible you know as everything is now obviously and so any of his stuff that was um kind of being latched onto was being duplicated and that's how van gogh saw his work in print um he influenced Marie Cassatt, who was also was mm. you know yes i've seen yeah. some of her work yeah. at the the denver art museum yes. there was a 
uh, women impressionist uh, exhibit there, uh, I think a couple yeah. years ago. I wonder if the Denver Art Museum, too, has has free online exhibits and stuff like that. Right. We should Isn't look it funny that how up when and you think about that. like when I think about Marie Cassatt's work, I think I think it's Cassatt, not Cassatt. But um, <laughs> I think about the nurturing quality of the scene. There's always something going on. where like someone's sitting in a garden and there's a child nearby and it's, <laughs> it's like, oh, can I be there? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. How peaceful. How, how peaceful soothing that and looks. Lovely. And, you know, um, and those and that was a depiction of people in everyday life, too. And I feel like, it, you know, by the time Impressionism came around, it was a warmer, more typical thing to see. Mm-hmm. But this guy was on the cutting edge of trying to get those those faces um, kind of into the public. <laughs> it's so weird, it's, right? <laughs> it's just it's bonkers to me that that there was a time that certain things were just not considered art or like certain only certain things would fit into the art. realm yeah. of art. Mm-hmm. And then it takes people like Malay mm-hmm. and the Impressionists and so on and so forth to transform it over so much time. Yeah. And then eventually, you know, we get into postmodernism oh, yeah. and now post postmodernism and basically like anything can be art, yeah. you know? Right. As a matter of fact, I think we should take a little um, time to talk about the craft as art. You want to take a look at that a little bit? Yes, I would love to. All right. Hold on a second, nerds. We're going to take a quick break. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Yeah, so here we've talked a little bit about how handcrafts are really what was considered required work. Um, Knitting and sewing and spinning and all those things finally kind of made it um, into being depicted in art. And again, um, there was resistance. But now, fiber is art. Mm -hmm. And when I say that, I'm talking about people like the Ladies Fancy Work Society. Let's start with these crazies. (laughs) In in a positive way. Yes. And when I say crazy, I mean crazy amazing. (laughs) Um, Ladiesfancyworksociety.com. That's an easy one to look up while you're listening to us talk. But we will, again, include links in the show notes to some of the stuff we're talking about. These ladies are based in Denver, Colorado, part of our neighborhood. You'd see on their website that they don't just yarn bomb in kind of a, um, oh my God, I want to say they're yarn bombing, but they're not doing it on a small scale. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> I mean, we're talking about corners of buildings, um, roofs. Um, oh gosh. And it's mostly crochet. Okay. Um, from what I understand. And, <laughs> and like weird shapes and like lots of colors. Like it, right. it doesn't look like it's like an object that normally would be crocheted like it looks like crocheted art yeah it absolutely does and i mean they are combining color and shape and and they're just putting it in really um not easy to to access places i mean again i mean it's hannah and i are sitting here staring at like a few buildings that have been yarn bombed by the like um, tall buildings ladies fancy work society and they would need a ladder to do all of this yeah (laughs) or or a window washer kind of thing oh look oh my goodness beautiful tree Wrapped in like yes. oh, and they so they've done oh some stuff God. in nature. 
That's really gorgeous. I think the parks like in multicolored Denver. trees. Yeah. Wow. It's compelling as hell. I haven't seen any of this stuff in Denver. Yeah, you kind of want to, I think, follow them and just see how active mm-hmm. they are anymore. Um, and then I thought about one of the artists that we featured last spring, um, and we've had a social media campaign called Raised by a Maker, and I got this artist named Ben Cuevas out of Los Angeles to participate. And we were kind of talking about, how did you learn? Um, have you taught anyone else? Were you raised by a maker? And Ben's angle was kind of like, well... I've helped friends learn and I've learned from friends myself, but I asked Ben very specifically um, to give us a little bit of his story just because (laughs) he does knit sculpture. He does wall hangings. Oh my gosh. We're staring um, right now at a wall of knit veins. Yeah. I was going to say it looks like veins. It's red and blue. Yeah. And they're kind of meandering around the wall in, you know, a way that oh my <laughs> there's, gosh there's a knit depiction of an thing. intestine on ben's intestine. website that's exactly what it looks like that's b-e-n-c-u-e-v-a-s benquavis.com um i really was digging kind of his oh this oh. this anatomical <laughs> knit hood thing oh i remember that yeah so we got in that in the instant so, so we're looking feed. at was these cool. hand knit like skull covers that have like different color sort of masks mm-hmm. on them. So the whole, it's like a covering of a skull that's knitted and then like a mask knitted on top of that. Right. And that's it's really even like, neat. it's like a layer of muscle on top of a skull. Wow. Do you think that's anatomically correct? I'm, it could be. I'm going to say maybe. He probably did his research. I mean, he's done a lot of research. Look, Hannah, he's got a brain. Oh my God. He's got a, a rectum. Oh, Oh my God! There's a knitted rectum a knitted right rectum in front of my face on Ben Cuevas' website. This is art. This is art, people. He's amazing. He really is. It's a combination of like sculpture and knitting and anatomy. Like yes. science in art is a thing <laughs> as well. Yeah, oh, that's beautiful. I'm digging it. Um, and then another really kind of prolific creator is Hegu Young. She is a South Korean fiber artist. Hegu Young. I'm revolting. Oh, wow. <laughs> and this is literally I'm revolting.net Check forward it out. slash Hegu Young. Um, but yes, this is just what? the most intricate. Can you describe what we're looking at? I can't. <laughs> <laughs> it's almost like she's put together some kind of fiber based depiction of a plant. It looks wow. really organic and, yeah. and jungly. It's um, not something that I would be able to figure out quickly like how to replicate you know exactly let me see if we can get any deeper into some of this stuff okay so that is that all her stuff we're looking at a gallery of like random knitted art things with lights and yeah i mean and she tends to have shows at the moma it's hard to describe what they are because they're just so like out there i mean a fiber artist that you and i both know um kay dudek yeah, um, she's that's an example of a local artist, um, a friend a mo- the mother of a dear friend of ours um, is a fiber enthusiast and she's an artist. And she recently had a exhibit here in Fort Collins of her work. And it was like, wasn't it all like felted? It was all felted. It was like felted wool. And yeah. the, the piece that stuck out to me the most that I remember is that is the one that it's like a felted woman figure 
no arms, no head, but you can see her bust Mm -hmm. and like her torso. And then the fiber kind of like keeps going, like her body keeps going down. And then you can see like what would be her legs are just like wrapped and twisted for a really long time. And like the, that was like her, her artistic expression of like the current administration yeah. or or like women's issues bound in some way yeah, yeah being just women bound being, in some way yeah, yeah i think it yeah it was like definitely like a commentary um but it was just absolutely beautiful and it's just it's amazing that you can be an artist mm-hmm. in the fiber like textile medium yeah. and still relay complicated ideas like right. that and you know i mean i would say fiber artists people that are just kind of like looking at something like that and seeing how textural it is and kind of amazing these things aren't always knitted or crocheted um, right k's stuff is more sculptural mm-hmm. as a felted kind of thing um i remember do you remember the piece from her show where it was a progressive depiction of the human body and they were smaller oh. i would say each item was probably eight inches high uh-huh and it was like a torso that was some a little muscular and then a torso that was Yeah, yeah, I do remember that. Softer. So that was a commentary on our you know, our slovenliness. <laughs> Which is, you know, prevalent right now mm. considering I know for me, considering <laughs> I've just been at living in pajamas. Home, living in pajamas. <laughs> I, I wouldn't call that slovenly. Uh, it's just a necessity right now. Yeah. Well, you know. Ice cream eating and ice cream eating, potato chips. And but, you know, it's okay. Yeah, it's all right. It's all right, because while you're eating those potato chips and um, feeling slovenly in your pajamas, you can go to several thousand museums right now online. Yeah, dude, (laughs) you really can. Um, I mean, I woke up this morning and it changes every day, but I think I saw a link that said on Facebook that said, here's a link to 75,000 museums. I'm just going, how is that even? Wow. I mean. And so for sure in those show notes, again, we will make sure you guys have links to galleries and museums and some of these modern works by these fiber artists um, and dig into some Malay. I mean, that guy. Yeah, yeah. Check it out. I mean, you know, <laughs> he was an inspiration to so many. And like Hannah said, you know, you don't think of his name so easily. Yeah. Um, but he was on the cutting edge of redefining, you know, what it, what subject matter really was for realism and um you know, kind of um, his influence was just kind of insidious in an incredibly inspirational way to so many artists, um, classic artists. So, yeah, I just found that kind of interesting. Um, there was a very um, specific period of time in art when daily activities started being documented. Yeah. And, you know, knitting was one of them. But again, it was not considered a leisure activity. It wasn't a leisure thing. It was necessary. It was work. Mm-hmm. And so now that that work has gone from leisure activity mm-hmm. To still ne- ne- necessary in certain situations for Absolutely. sure, but then all the way to being the art itself, right? You know, right? And are you knitting a sweater, and is that called art? I'd argue that yes, of yeah, course. Yeah, I mean, it, yes. if you want to talk about like an artist process and like the creative process, and I mean, you can relay meaning in your knitted stuff, even if your knits are functional. Yeah. You know. Um, it's also like interesting the parallel between artists being inspired by prior artists and how that's like a part of art shifting mm-hmm. and changing over time. Mm-hmm. And knitting is exactly the same that's way. Right. 
It all starts with the basic knit and purl stitches. Um, and then you add in more complex things, but really like no knitting pattern is new. Like it, like every single knitting pattern that exists now, like has come from a tradition, a line of different types of knitting, like, uh, different i don't know just people trying new different combinations yeah. it's the same like basic but i mean you're really talking method. about the basic form of art like yeah. you lay a foundation of form yeah period right. whether those are landscape Ooh. marks mm-hmm. that you're just trying to get down on the canvas to shape your idea but the form you're talking about is the foundation of the stitches yeah and so then bringing Aww. in your own kind of skill set or even your own aesthetic and mm-hmm. making those little tweaks that are like making well this is my tweaks. special thing yeah right and like it's none of it's necessarily revolutionary at this point in time but it all has depended on what's come before right and i just like yeah. love i know i know an oil painter that this. says um, when someone asks him how long it take you to do that piece he says 40 years because he's been painting for 40 years. Okay, that's okay. I love that. Right. That reminds me of how, like, um, if someone who's like not familiar with knitting, like, might see me knitting something that like looks complicated and they'll say mm-hmm. something like, oh, wow, you're so talented. And it's like, no, 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 no. I can only do Back what I'm doing right now and make it look easy and like thoughtless and all mm-hmm. that stuff because I've been doing it for. 15 years and because you know i had to start somewhere everybody's got to start somewhere but you're bringing that full context into your moment right exactly exactly that's so cool and that can be done that's done with art with handcraft when you're creating that's what's happening you guys Uh, keep going keep keep creating keep doing it keep making mistakes keep yeah mistakes mistakes are just play mistakes are play like just keep experimenting like you don't have to stick you don't have to color within the lines. You can go outside the pattern. And if you mess something up, mm-hmm. you just got to frog it. Like, it's fine. It's like, you know, if you if you mess up something on your painting, you're not super happy with it. Paint over it or start over or leave it there because it's a part of the whole story. I don't know. A part of the whole. It's a part of the whole. Like yeah. That. Yeah. Nice. So you can take this on like a. You can look at it in like a granular individual um, aspect, like. From that angle, but you can also look at it in, in like a traditions of art and knitting kind of way. And like everything is built on everything else, yep. communally, collectively yeah. and individually. And there's always more to learn. There's so, oh my God, there's so much more to learn. <laughs> and I mean, beyond the whole gallery, um, the, the virtual gallery experience that we're all kind of craving right now. Yeah. Um, certainly it's a time to learn. Yeah. You know, you've got time on your hands. I, for instance, after four years of working with crazy crafters, <gasps> yeah, knitted an entire row of stitches. She knitted an entire <laughs> row of stitches, people. It was really slow. But I had a really good teacher. Hannah was teaching me. Yeah, it was really she fun. She cast on for me. And um, I've been afraid to learn how to knit because I'm terrible at math. But I think yeah. that I know I'm just thinking about the wrong thing. You're, you <laughs> know how to count. You know how to count in order, in number order. (laughs) So really just start. So start there. Like that's the first baby step. Like that's the first thing is like, do I have the same number of stitches on every row as I go? Mm -hmm. Okay. If I don't, what happened? Like doesn't have to be 
fast. It doesn't have to be. It doesn't have to be. You don't have to force it to be anything. Yeah. It just is what it is. I like the beginning, beginning of that sentence. It doesn't have to be fill in the blank. Yeah. It doesn't have to be right. X. That's it right. can just be it. Jen, uh, I've really appreciated you spending this time with me and the research that you did to like kind of present this topic to me is yeah. like super interesting. And everybody go to the show notes for the episode yep. on interweave.com. Um, we're going to have a bunch of links up and a bunch of images for you um, so that you can explore right now because maybe you've watched literally everything that's on Netflix. <laughs> I'm not sure. Maybe you've finished all your whips. Uh, or maybe you just need a break. And um, yeah. so we're just going to try and help facilitate some of that. And we hope that everyone is safe and well yes. and, um, you know, as well as you can be right now. And we yeah. will talk to you next time. It was so great to connect with you, Hannah. Thanks, Thank Jen. you so much. See you later. All right. Bye. Thanks for listening, everyone. Remember, you can follow the link in the description to our website where we'll have lots more information about this topic. If you like the show, please tell a friend, leave a review, spread the word. The Knitting Nerdcast is a production of Golden Peak Media and Interweave. It's hosted by me, Hannah Baker, and produced by Jared Mayer. Shout out to Andrea Lotz, Jen Ryan, and Laura Holslander for their contributions. This episode was recorded and edited by Evan Rutherford and Jared Mayer.